This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Hey everyone, this is Zach Inevich, Assistant Business Manager of IBW Local 98 North, with your home run tip from your hometown team. For your next construction project in the suburbs, trust your electrical needs to the highly trained, masterfully skilled electricians of IBW Local 98 North. Knock your next electrical project out of the park. Call Local 98 North today at 610-489-3800 or visit us at IBW98.org. Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia, The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. This is a special edition of The Labor Show with J. Doc, Krause, and John Doherty. Locked and loaded on a Saturday night with the John Doherty Hour as we come to you live on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We'll bring Jay Doc into the conversation uh, in just a moment. I'll go right to John Doherty standing by uh, Mike Barnes in Wildwood at the Barefoot Country Music Festival. Uh, we'll bring him in and get an update as Hurricane Andre uh, starts to bear down and make its way through the Jersey coast. Uh, uh, but Doc, welcome in on a busy Saturday night, locked and loaded tonight, sir. What's up, Crafty? This is four or five weeks in a row, buddy. We got some great shows, and it just keeps knocking on dead. No, no doubt about that. Let's bring in your good buddy, Mike Barnes, who uh, is down uh, in Wildwood, Barefoot Country Music Festival, uh, scheduled to go on. The undertaking uh, was tremendous, Mike Barnes, um, and now... Uh, anticipation of the storm coming in uh update update all of us let's start there uh, and then we'll pick it up hey Krause, how you doing this is Barnes. yeah the only thing we're missing here is jimmy buffett uh singing some hurricane songs but <laughs> you know people people's been so penned up to get some some activity and, and some action uh nothing's to turn it the crowds are pouring in you know the weather's holding up it's not raining a little overcast a little breezy, but so far so good down here. Mike, Michael, Michael, it's Johnny. Just uh, why yeah. don't you give him a little update? I've been staying in touch with Michael because Michael is significant across the country for trying to put these these concerts in play. But I told you, coming out of COVID initially and with all the variant issues right now, Michael has been instrumental. He's a great partner partner with Live Nation as well as the Philadelphia Building Trades. But his relationship across the country, you know, and it started years ago with Peter Luco and the people down in Philly. He's a national player right now. And it's, it's funny, you know, down there, people are telling me, well, what's Michael saying? And I'm laughing. I'm trying to figure out who's going to be the lead singer tonight. And it's Carrie Underwood, a great entertainer. And, and people are telling me, well, what's Michael saying? Is, is this going to be, this show's going to go off? Uh, how's the, the staging? You know, there's people all over America that actually lean on Michael Barnes and the local stage hands for the type of setups and the, 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 the shows that are going on today, you know, have their fingerprints all over them. Michael, why didn't you tell them about yesterday? What was it about? Three foot of water when you first got down there? Oh, the, the, the drainage is a little bit of an issue on the Wildwood Beach. That's always been the case, John. It just doesn't sink in. That, that's the sand we have down here. But uh, 
it didn't really deter anybody. There was there was there was about a half a foot of water on the ground, and I got there last night, and, and the people just they didn't mind. They were just dancing in the water. They they were having a good time, and it was packed. The whole thing was packed. We just had the big shows up at uh, Atlantic City with Fish, right? We have uh, we have the big shows up in Philly with Green Day and uh, Dead and Company tonight. Uh, up in Harrisburg, another big series of uh, outdoor events up there. We're building a bunch of shows up in Lidditz, PA. Uh, so the whole area here in the Mid-Atlantic is, is as we predicted, it, it's really lighting up. But, John, if you could just give me a second to, to go into it, and I think it's important for labor people to hear this. You know, we've always been treated as a commodity from our employers, right? You know, they, they, they just they, they value us as, as a supply and demand. Never so much has our value been so great in the labor market, both with the building trades and with organized uh, entertainment and hospitality workers. They don't have enough workers to do what they need to do right now. And where they got to get them is the, is the, is the unions because we have, we've invested in our members all along. They've, they've had a throwaway economy. Everything's a throwaway economy from TV sets to everything else to, to labor, right? Use it, abuse it and just move on. We've invested in our people now so that we're the only source that's really going to be able to deliver what they need coming out. Because next year, when all these shows hit, John, unless organized labor is there to back it up, they ain't going to have shows next year. There's too much product. There's not enough labor across the country. And we're rolling out a plan all the way across coast to coast to deliver the product. Joe, when Michael, you hear what Michael said. These things are complicated setups, too. This isn't like you just snap something together. You know, Fish, I think there was close to 100,000 people in Atlantic City. Okay, that staging was beautiful. I don't really have a, the specifics on the, the Wildwood piece, but I do know that, you know, they were concerned about the beach, the water, and the storms, and they did a great job. What they did at Citizens Bank Park with the Green Day and uh, show, if you look, they set up basically around the infield, not in the infield, around. It was so unique the way they set the show up. And everybody and anybody that was there said it was a knockdown concert. And that Green Day did, you know, outdid themselves. He's got shows going on all over the place. And these are relationships. And by the way, this is all over America, but not anything like this region. Okay? And the, re- the reason is these kids that work for the stagehands, they know how to do it. And, they, and, and the, the, their leadership is all over the place. Like Michael, and when I say all over the place, I don't mean uh, scattered. I mean physically all over the place. Okay, Michael is in the middle of conversations tonight. If you ask Michael why he's there, they're already planning two other shows. And this is great. It's great that people like Michael and the Philippine Building Trades, and and that's why this show's about. I mean, get somebody on. If we want later in the night, Michael will be 10 feet from Carrie Underwood. That's just the way the business is, and that's just his role. And, and Mike, I want to talk to you about Live Nation. Um, They do a great job, especially... Uh, working with our union members. Talk about that. So so Live Nation's the the eight hundred pound gorilla in, in the industry. They they are the they are the mover and shaker here. They're broken up into about fourteen different regions to cover the country. Our region is uh is run by a guy named Jeff Gordon. This guy couldn't be couldn't be more of a friend to labor. He just took over the New York market for Live Nation. They have the uh, reopened New York uh, stage up at uh, going on right now up in uh, up in the park up there. Jeff was on CNN this morning. He makes it a point to call out labor when when he's when he's promoting the show. The guy doesn't go anywhere out organized labor, and as a result, 
right, Joe? All of his shows are staffed. I, I can tell you from experience right now, the biggest challenge we're having around the country is staffing. And these non-union labor brokers who, who just have been abusing workers for the longest time, right, they're emptying out the labor-ready camps. And what they're doing is using these inexperienced people. They're picking up for a day rate to hang 200,000 pounds of equipment over people's heads. It was only four weeks ago at the Loud concert down in uh, uh, Florida that a, that a whole video wall collapsed on Friday during the sound check. If that collapses a day later, it's catastrophic. There's, there's, there's a lot of death. And it probably would shut down the industry for a while. So these producers are starting to realize what Gordon has realized for decades now that, you know, invest a little bit in your labor, get the trained labor, get the, get the unionized labor that has some training behind it. So the people that are showing up are safe and, and can provide a safe environment for the audiences. That's where this is heading. I've never seen the leverage that labor's had in my life. I've been doing it a long time and coming out, I think the building trades and the hospitality and the entertainment trades will be the answer to get this country back online. Well, great words from Mike Barnes uh, joining us here on the John Doherty Hour. Doc, you got about 60 seconds before break if you want to finish yeah. it up. He mentioned, he mentions Jeff Gordon. He's not only a good guy, he's a fan. He appreciates, he loves this region. He's got a great relationship with Michael. I get along with him well. But coming out of the pandemic, there were a lot of cities that were paranoid. Philadelphia being one, okay? The Commonwealth was paranoid. You know, they needed a couple breaks. They needed people to believe in, in their product and being able to keep their people safe. Okay, Michael and, of course, you know, myself and a few other of our talented leaders in the building trades rallied around them. They never forget that. They never forgot. I mean, we were, what, Michael, one night, what, it was about 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. We're talking to people on the West Coast. I mean, people don't understand. You know what it's about, Krause? And I'll end it in the last 10 seconds. It's about the 80,000 jobs in the hospitality industry in this region that make this region tick. Great stuff. Jack, great way to end it. friend Peter Luco, who's coming on like a freight train in this industry. Between him and Jeff, we're in good positions, and I know they want to get on the show. It's just that they've been really busy these last couple of weeks. They're dying to get on and talk to you guys. Well, when we go a little more national, Peter Luco and Jeff Gordon, that'll be fine for them. You know, we'll be talking hopefully in the 22 to 25 new radio stations soon. Mike Barnes joining us here on the John Doherty Hour. For sure, we will follow him around the country. Great words from Mike Barnes, J-Doc. I can't tell you how energized I am in the moment about what he said the real real good stuff that's right and and and, and mike i'm not sure if you if you have enough people to we got the uh jay doc we gotta get the break we, we we got the uh, labor show at the laborers union on 9 11 we may need a big crew from you right there buddy it's gonna be a big one <laughs> all right good stuff here we'll get to our first commercial break back in a moment Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show are sponsored by IBEW Local 98 North, UFCW 1776, and Sheet Metal Workers Local 19. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. Locked and loaded tonight on the John Doherty Hour. Coming up, Omar Sabir, city commissioner, will join us. Bottom of the hour, Dr. Cheryl Bedigo, acting commissioner, Philadelphia Department of Public Health. 745, Councilman Bobby Heenan, J-Doc. We're loaded tonight and also kicked off by Mike Barnes. Absolutely. And, and, and um, 
we're happy to bring on Philadelphia City Commissioner Omar Sabir. John, uh, you know, around the country and, you know, we, in Philadelphia as well, we're taking a, a, a national assault on voting rights. I'm so proud at how our Philadelphia City Commissioners stood up in the face of that assault. Talk about that, and, and if you would, bring Omar in. Yeah, this is why I'm proud. The Philadelphia Building Trades were probably the initial supporters of Omar Sabir, as well as Lisa Dealey, all the way back to the endorsement process through the Democratic Party. You know, it was Local 98, the Philadelphia Building Trades, you know, to push Lisa over the finish line, and Al Schmidt. It was in a very contested race. Uh, if it wasn't for, and he's, he's a Republican, so voting rights are not a political issue. They're a human issue. They're a civil rights issue. Okay? And for us, because elections do have consequences, it's a labor issue. And Absolutely. I'll tell you, Omar and Lisa and Al, and I was super proud of Omar. Look, I've watched the transformation of his brother, Ryan Boyer, okay, from a labor leader to a spokesman for the region. I've also watched the transformation of Omar from an activist that during this, this process in which we had recounts and you know, allegations of fraud, he stood strong. He was there 724. His later background showed he was never tired. He didn't see him running around to get a drink of water when everybody else was worn the hell out. Omar was there. I, I'm lucky. I know Ryan well. I also know Omar's dad well. And it's a pleasure to bring Omar in. He's standing up. You know, when Omar came on the scene, everybody knew that the commissioner's role was probably a stepping stone to some greater elected office because he's been a prominent activist, you know, with great pedigree. But I'll tell you what, nobody expected that commissioner's office be at the, you know, you couldn't go on CNN or Fox without them having six people outside the Philadelphia Convention Center wonder what was going on inside Philadelphia's a commissioner's office because that eventually flipped Pennsylvania, which flipped the country, which gave you President Biden. So with that, Omar, who had a great role in making sure that we have President Biden. Omar, uh, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Oh, thank you, man. That introduction was just like, man. Uh, I was thinking, like, who, who is John talking about? <laughs> well, well it, listen, it's, it's well-deserved, and, and you guys have stood up in the face of a lot of uh, issues, and they were very impacting not only in our region and in, but also across the country. Talk about the one we're going through in Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, not to comply with uh, PA state senators, uh, Doug, Doug Mastriano's audit request of 2020, and now you have Senator Jay Corman uh, taking a run at it. Talk about that. Well, just you know, before I begin, if I may, I, I just like really thank you know all of the union support. Uh, that got me in the position where I'm at. Uh, you know, y- y'all have always been supportive of me, even when we ran for traffic court judge. I mean, y'all were out there. We came in first place. Then the legislator got rid of it the first time in history that something like that happened. We won an election. We was in first place. And, uh, you know, uh, the legislator got rid of it. And, you know, just through all the activism, you know, I like to just say that your union members are just friends. And I really appreciate, you know, the hard work and labor of people. You know, we wouldn't have gotten that election done if we didn't have a good relationship, uh, you know, of course, with D.C. 33, uh, D.C. 47, but, of course, the Philadelphia Building Trades, because that relationship got us into the convention center, you know, and, you know, we had to have a good relationship to get in the convention center to actually do it. So I definitely uh, appreciate all that support 
and, and as we look at the Philadelphia building trades, the union members, you know, Philadelphia is all one city. So when President Trump attract, attacked the Philadelphia and said bad things happened in Philadelphia, you know, we all stepped up and we all banded together as a city. And, you know, we showed the world uh, how beautiful Philadelphia is. And I just wanted to, you know, publicly uh, say that. Well, we're in agreement with you there, my friend. Uh, John? Yeah, look, I just think that the job that they did, you know, and the fact that they stood up, and the fact that it's not an issue that's going away. You know, Jay Corman is a very uh, popular senator in his party. You know, the, the stance that he made, you know, trying to reorganize the recount is something we'll have to pay close attention to. Because he's a smart man and a well-liked man. And that's a dangerous man if, you're, if, you're, if your concerns are the ability to vote the way we know. Look, I've, I've been involved in you know, my whole life at, on election day getting people out to the polls. That's what we do. We try to get our vote out. Okay, you know, we, we try not to get, you know, uh, paralyzed by social issues. You know, we try to vote our job. You know, sometimes we get criticized because we're not always, you know, any one ticket. But I have to tell you, you know, the, having Omar and the rest of the commissioners, you know, stand up. Look, at the time, President Trump was tweeting about our commissioners. You know, congressional people were looking at, hey, do we have to bring these people down to talk about what happened? And, you know, I thought they ran a rather fair election. I thought they tried to fill in the blanks where the party structures failed. I thought that they did a really good job. So the fact that we could pop Omar in on tonight, you know, in a, uh, on a Saturday evening in August just tells you the man's always available and having a presence there. People in this world want leadership. And at that level, he's shown that he was a leader, and, and that's what we asked for. And the fact that he comes from the Labor's Union, you know, it was also a good thing. Because any time we can put somebody in a position who thinks like us, who's, you know, who's made money over the years, look, he heard it at the kitchen table. You know, there's a, there was a gentleman by the name of Omar Sabir, okay, was an early, early, early prominent leader in town. He was a partner with Mr. Staden. I got to know him because he was actually friends with Sealy. And uh, my wife, who worked at the Rod Setters, and Omar used to, you know, once a week have conversations. So, you know, I, I got to know Omar and Ryan at an early age. And like I said, I use the word transformation because both of them guys have went from labor leaders to activists to significant spokespeople for the region. There's not a social issue out there where people don't want to know what Ryan Boyer thinks. Okay. And Omar is just the same right now. They're joined at the hip. They do a great job. They represent their community well. They represent us well. And, and, and it's John, nice having them on the show. And you make a good point, Omar. I see you on social media. You you promote. You know, get out the vote. Promote. I mean, you were you were. John said you're visible. You work your tail off. At, 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 at making voting a big a big deal. Talk about that because it's a passion and it's working. Okay. Well. The number one thing that we have to really look at, right, the number one defense uh, to voter suppression and people taking away your voting rights, it's real simple. I mean, it's the vote, right? I mean, people, we at Philadelphia, we were that 750,000 Philadelphians came out to vote in November, but unfortunately we only saw uh, it drop drastically to 21% from this last election, the primary. So we have to remind everyone about the dates. Tuesday, November the 2nd is the important election coming up. We got uh, judges. You know, the district attorney, controllers. But, you know, we have statewide candidates that's running for, for judge. And we actually have three uh, judicial candidates 
from Philadelphia uh, that's running. So, you know, we have to, uh, you know, really strive home that there's an election every six months. You know, that's my main key message, that we can't take no election for granted because when you take elections for granted and you don't vote, that's when people are going to want to come in and try to take your voting rights away. So we have to be there. We have to be present. Uh, my father and things to bear, you know, voting was mandatory uh, in our houses. And unfortunately, looking at a lot of these numbers, a lot of our union members aren't participating, you know, uh, in the election process. Right. So it's you and it's the members in your household that have to participate in the election process. Policymakers look at that, you know, and as people have ideas and dreams about becoming governor and becoming United States senators, when they look at Philadelphia, they want to win statewide. You know, they know, okay, you know, I need Philadelphia. So they're going to give us resources. They're going to give us accountability. And it's crucial that we participate in the process. And that process can start now. If you listen to the radio show, I want you to text 10 of your friends and remind them and tell them that, hey, listen, November the 2nd, we have an election. But, you know, the beautiful thing about it now is you can vote from home. I mean, you can vote from the comfort of your own home, okay? And so there's no reason for you not to vote. You know, the only thing that's going to stop people from not participating in the election process is us not telling them. So we have to keep on asking people and keep on reminding our family and friends to vote. And guess what? They will vote. Omar, did you did, when when you became a city commissioner and when you were uh, running for the position, did you ever think that there'd be this much of an assault and pressure on our city commissioners and and voting itself? In your wildest dreams, did you ever think that? Hell no, uh, I never thought that. I, I never. I mean, I never conceived getting death threats. I mean, just to, you know, I just never thought about that. My idea of the city commissioner's role was just to really, you know, help people out, you know, to vote, help the seniors, you know, vote, help people that didn't know, answer a couple questions. But this whole thing right here, nah. But as we did more research on and as I did more research, like if you look at Octavius uh, Cotto, uh, you know, he was assassinated on election day uh, on October 10th, 1871, uh, for allowing, uh, you know, involving African-Americans uh, to vote. And just getting them to, you know, be able to vote. He got killed on election day here in Philadelphia. And, you know, it's sad that that, that reality is still going on. I took a trip down to Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, we did a water drive. They, they didn't have no water. But, you know, we got to meet, you know, people from, uh, you know, Megas Evers and, uh, you know, all of that. That wow. down right. I mean, it just was transformative. But we do know that this onslaught has always been there. And it's just the way how the census and the data is, is shifting. America is changing de- demographically. So people are starting to pay more attention to the elections. The margins are smaller uh, for victory. So it just basically means that we have to get out and we have to, uh, you know, vote. I mean, we have to push it. We have to push our membership. Oh, and, Mars- you know, I just want to let everyone know, you know, if anyone needs any help or any assistance, please let my office know. I mean, we can go through, we can give you all type of voting lists, you know, whatever it is that you need, you know, for your organization, you know, to, to, get, to get everybody active. Uh, to get everybody out there, we can get. We got scripts now, so we got scripts that you can actually talk and phone make and call people and let them know uh, how to vote. Uh, you know what's the deadlines and everything else to make your voting experience easier. And that's what we do because the more we vote, the more we get. And that's what we're working on out here in our office. We're just definitely trying to get more people to participate so that Philadelphia can get the resources that they deserve. Omar Sabir joining us here on the John Doherty Hour as we go to the commercial break. Do what Omar suggested. Text 10 of your friends back in a moment. 
Tonight's edition of the Labor Show is sponsored in part by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Laborers District Council, and Steam Fitters Local 420. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. And we're back here live on the John Doherty Hour as we broadcast you live on a Saturday night here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. First half hour in the book. Special thanks to Mike Barnes uh, joining us from down in Wildwood at the Barefoot Country Music uh, Festival. Pretty amazing feat done by the stagehands. Just incredible work. Omar Sabir uh, in our previous segment, John Doherty. And in a moment, we'll welcome in Dr. Uh, Cheryl Bettigal will join us, the acting uh, commissioner of the Philadelphia Department of Public Health. We'll bring Dr. Sherrill into the conversation uh, in just a moment. Back to you, John. Now, Dr. Sherrill Medical, I don't really know her. You know, we, we did know Dr. Farley for a long period of time. You know, right now, this, uh, this Delta variant is an ugly situation. In the last 24 hours, you've had three U.S. senators who were vaccinated all come down with the variant. You know, and I mean, here you got U.S. senators, even though they've been on the floor, you know, going over all these stimulus and budget and infrastructure issues, you know, you would think that they would be some of the better protected people in the world. So it's just obvious that this is going everywhere. We're not out of the, the, the mindset. We try to keep people as safe as, as we can. You know, and the big goal, it seems that almost everybody who is getting it is still saying the fact that they were vaccinated has protected them to where they're only having, you know, light symptoms, if any symptoms at all. Now, you know, I I think that we need to get more information. We should go right to the horse's mouth here. You know, we should talk a little bit about this booster shot. And, you know, and and when you look at the surrounding counties, they're all, you know, have more vaccinated people than Philadelphia. And I know Philadelphia is, you know, a different animal. And but I'll be interested to hear, you know, why the doctor, you know, thinks that we're trailing and anything the Philadelphia building trades can do. You know, I've been a loud advocate for vaccinations, even to, you know, uh, to, to my own uh, demise occasionally. But, you know, I just think that we should be vaccinated. I think that, you know, I support the jobs that have mandatory vaccinations. You know, the end users, you know, asked us to be vaccinated. We're going to be vaccinated. That's just the way it is. You know, I get people critique, uh, you know, critique me all the time on that, saying that, you know, we'll stand up for them. I am. I'm standing up for them and the 25 people that they work alongside on these jobs. So I'm really interested to hear what the good doctor has to say about how we can, you know, catch up to the surrounding counties mm-hmm. with vaccinations and also what she thinks where we're headed. Let's bring Dr. Cheryl Bettigo into the conversation, uh, the acting commissioner of the Philadelphia Department of Public Health. Uh, uh, Dr. Bettigo, welcome to the John Doherty Hour. And let me formally uh, introduce you to John, the most powerful and influential man in the city of Philadelphia. You're on his radio show. How are you? <laughs> Good, good. It's a real pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Um, Dr. Bettigo, where, where, where should we begin? John covered a lot of different examples and scenarios and kind of updates in that uh, little monologue. Tell us, you come from your perspective, come into the show uh, from your uh, perspective, tell us what we should know, and then we'll get into some dialogue. Great. Well, you know, I think what he said is spot on. The vaccines are highly protective, highly effective. 
they don't prevent every single case of COVID. But what they do is they enable our bodies to fight it off. So, you know, we're seeing almost all the hospitalizations at this stage among among unvaccinated people. Our vaccination rates in Philadelphia are actually fairly high compared to other cities. Um, the surrounding counties, you know, very wealthy, um, don't have some of the challenges that we have in terms of people who are still worried about this vaccine. And, you know, so they are a little bit higher, but if we compare ourselves to other cities, we're doing quite well. So just in terms of numbers, we're at uh, 78.7% of adults who've received at least one dose. 64.4% of adults are fully vaccinated in Philly. So pretty decent numbers, but, you know, that still leaves tens of thousands of people that we have to reach with vaccine. And of course, you know, we know that our kids under 12 are not vaccinated at all. And so we need to get as many people around them vaccinated to protect them. Doctor, talk about, you know, you you talk about the the people that are not vaccinated. And there's a lot of people that still have questions and want to be educated about that. Where do you think the um, disconnect is there? You know, I think this has been true with every vaccine that's ever come out. You know, we act and, and, you know, a lot of the shouting around this makes it seem like it's unique to COVID vaccine. But, you know, from the time of the first vaccine against smallpox to polio vaccine, measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, I mean, every vaccine has generated this kind of pushback. We're just more conscious of it because we're in the middle of a pandemic and it matters so much right now. But I think people often have questions, worries, suspicions about something like this that we're going to inject into the body. No, no vaccine question. Yeah, oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was going to say, um, no question about it. But how do we educate them? Because, with, you know, this is a, a, an odd, you know, situation where, in, a, in in some cases, politics gets involved, personal politics, and all that. Right. How do we? How do we? How do we uh, bridge the gap there? And 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 how do we educate people and get them to trust this situation? Well. You know, I think the first thing we have to do is to step back from the politics and to step back from the judging and the yelling. It's just not constructive. Nobody ever decided to get a vaccine because somebody yelled at them enough. And if we can do that, then we can start to have a dialogue about does it work? What are the real side effects? What are the real risks? One of the facts that, you know, I think very few people are aware of that's really important to understand about vaccines is this concern about long-term side effects goes counter to everything we know about vaccines. There has never been a side effect from a vaccine more than two months out. In the hundreds of years of vaccine history, there has never been a side effect more than two months out. So this worry about, well, I don't know what it will do in the long term. Will it affect fertility? You know, all these sorts of things, they don't fit with the the entire science of vaccine. And I, I feel like I haven't heard that talked about very much. And it's really important. Yeah, there's no question about that. John? Yeah, just so you know, Doc, I just want to thank you for, number one, getting on. No disrespect to uh, Dr. Farley, but I could get him on the phone any day, you know, uh, uh, over any issue. And the Philadelphia building trades were at the forefront, okay, Uh, of putting policy and protocol in place so much that OSHA adopted our policies nationally. Now, you know, we had great leadership from our governor, and we had great leadership from our mayor. And I'm a big fan of our mayor, and I talked to him today. And, you know, and I had, you know, talked to him before. I think that they should let you talk more uh, often and more public because, you know, just what you said makes so much sense. I've told people, you know, I, I repeat the statistics, you know, and I think we just have so many talented people and 
in the medical field that it's ridiculous not to follow their lead. You know, there's this little piece in the paper today about, and the Philadelphia building trades have been, you know, a major part of bringing a new Pennsylvania hospital online. It's amazing. Okay, but when you have somebody like Hop, you have somebody like Thomas Jefferson, along with someone like yourself, who's sitting there looking at statistics, who knows that there's never really been a reaction to a vaccine, you know, two to three months after. You know, when they tell you that, we have to, you know, we have to just beat that into our kids' heads. I have to do that to my members. I, saying to them, hey, listen, you know, worst case scenario, okay, is that you get, you know, and again, you know, the isolated, you know, less than 1%, whatever the number is of, you know, danger rea- uh, reactions to this, okay, but the worst case scenario you get, okay, has been one or two days and not feeling good. Now, I, and, and I can speak from experience. I not only mm-hmm. had bad COVID, I had a bad response to the vaccination. Yeah, and you probably okay. picked the vaccine reaction, right? Yes. I'm, I'm yeah, just happy that I'm vaccinated. You know, I yeah, I mean, listen, on the first half of the show, I'm talking about putting 30,000 people on the beach for a concert. Wow. Okay? If, you know, if we and, and you know, look, I, I understand super spreader as much as anybody. You know, I mean, every place I'm at, you know, we have man, mandated masks and, you know, uh, social distancing. That's great. And That's you know, my, great. Hands are, my hands are cherry red. It was bad enough being the good old Irish kid with the light skin, but I have so much pure oil on my hands, I think they're like purple <laughs> for the rest of my life now. Yeah, okay. but that's what you want to do. You know, people can enjoy themselves, but they need a little space between them and they need a mask on. Yeah, well, talk about the mask situation, Doctor. Uh, right now, uh, obviously, with, with the new variant, the, uh, with the Delta vi- uh, variant, you, you know, masks are back in the city. And there is confusion about masks. Do they work? Do they not work? Does this type of mask work? Only the cloth mask works? Uh, I don't know all the answers to it. I just know I know there's some confusion about that, Doc. Pick it up on the mask. Sure. Well, and, yeah. and, you know, the sign. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Doc. There's too many dots. There's three dots on the phone. I know, I know. Uh, that's why I'm getting confused. Okay. Which one were you asking? I'm asking you, Dr. Cheryl. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, the science of masks is really all about what we call filtration, meaning, you know, if you throw a bunch of particles at that mask, how many of them get through? And there's no mask that doesn't let any particles through, which is why you really want a vaccine, too. But a cloth mask will block you know, depending on the cloth, the number of layers and so on, around half those particles. If you were, and I've been talking a lot about double masking, if you were to add a surgical mask underneath, you're going to block 85% of those particles. If you wear one of the N95 masks, um, which are the ones that have to get specially fitted and you feel like you're wearing a pillow over your face, that'll block 95% of of the particles, but you will be miserable. So, you know, for one thing, Please, please appreciate our healthcare workers who have been wearing those things all through their shifts. It is really, really hard to wear an N95 mask all day. Most people who are not medical professionals who are wearing an N95 are wearing it wrong. They don't get it fit tested. It leaks air around the sides. It's not really effective. So for most people, if they want the extra protection, wearing a surgical mask with a cloth mask over the top will close the gaps. And it'll give them almost the protection of a well-fitted N95, but with a lot more comfort. So that's what I do. If I am going to go somewhere inside that's maybe a little bit crowded, I'm going to double mask like that just for the additional protection. Surgical mask is a little bit better than a cloth mask, though. Uh, Doctor, uh, talk about the the new booster. 
uh, shot. Is that uh, a rec- Is that going to be readily available in the city of Philadelphia anytime soon? So there's two different things that were announced very close together, just to add a little confusion to our lives. There's an additional dose for, for people who are immunosuppressed. So, for example, somebody who has cancer or, um, you know, somebody who is on a, a drug that depresses their immune system. They need an additional dose that's already recommended, and we already have people getting those doses across the city. Um, you know, you could walk into a site, and we, we don't ask for proof of that. The booster shot is eight months after you finish a two-dose vaccine. So the soonest that would start would be September. It is not fully approved yet. We're waiting for the FDA and the ACIP to act, but they're reasonably likely to go ahead and approve that. And, you know, we have now hundreds of vaccine providers across the city. So I think we can anticipate that when the time comes, that, you know, we don't have a shortage of vaccine anymore, so that should be readily available. But we have some time before that happens. Hey, Doc, the rumor has that Pfizer is going to be FDA approved on Monday. Uh, New York Times was on, on printing that out on Friday. You know, some of our good friends are saying that they're expecting Pfizer this week. And Moderna, not too far. That would be a game changer, correct? We're hoping that a lot of more people will say yes once, they, once it's officially approved. You know, we'll... we'll Time will tell, but but that's the hope. Uh, and, and as a matter of fact, I just got a text from somebody asking about that. Uh, when is it going to, you know, when are the vaccines going to be approved by the FDA and the World Health Organization? I think that is uh, a reason why we're, we're, we're ha- a part of the reason why we have such a divided country on this aspect. A lot of people are asking about that. Do you do you see that? I think there there will be some people, you know, we I mean, we have more evidence on these vaccines than we've ever had on any vaccine. So I believe that they are safe. You know, we've heard from thousands of scientific experts that they are safe. Um, I've reviewed the data myself, but there are some people who want that final approval. They don't want to get it while it's under the emergency use authorization. So I think it probably will help at least somewhat. Uh, uh, sure. I think it, I think it definitely will. Hey, two things I think that we should continue to let our people know when the good doctor told us the one thing that most people don't talk about is that this is modern day medicine in the history of vaccinations really had no responses after two months and another thing to take the politics out of it is that people still argue you know the donald trump stuff donald trump got his whole family including himself vaccinated yep yep dr Cheryl, but Okay, Dr. Cheryl, better go. I'll give you the last word here before we go to the break. (laughs) Thank you. This is not about politics. This is just about science and safety. And we can protect each other with this vaccine. Great stuff from Dr. Cheryl Bedigal, Acting Commissioner, Philadelphia Department of Public Health, joining us here on the John Doherty Hour. Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by Ironworkers Local 401, Boilermakers Local 13, Plumbers Local 690, and IBEW Local 98. Choose a Local 98 contractor. And back here on the John Doherty Hour as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT live on a Saturday night. Just a quick note again, uh, John Doherty, special thanks to Dr. Cheryl Bedigo, the acting uh, commissioner, Philadelphia Department uh, of Public Health. Uh, really good information. I thought you picked up on 
uh, two really, really important points uh, to close out uh, the segment. I'm sorry we're up against the final uh, clock here. I do want to bring in um, uh, Bobby Heenan, who's going to join us uh, in just a second. Uh, but well done. Uh, really, really, again, good information from Dr. Shrow. Better go. Mayor Teddy ought to put her out in front a little bit more. She Agreed. was really informative, and she came across like a, you know, like a fifth-grade school teacher, which was really good. You know, uh, and, and again, I, I'm going to use her more often if I get my chance to, especially with the members of building trades. Absolutely, she was very eloquent, and she as she spoke and she covered all the issues. It was great, a great segment. Uh, the big lineup continues, J Doc. We roll on, locked and loaded, is how I described it in the very beginning, way back uh, at the top of the hour. Great guest to finish it up. We, we do. We have Councilman Bobby Heenan, uh, who we're bringing on to the broadcast. Who uh, it, it is is I don't know if you're on campus at at uh, LSU right now, but I, we know that you you drop your son off. Matt and and uh, who's joining the ROTC there at Louisiana ah, State? Good stuff by uh, by Matt. Well done, hey, Bob. You got to be a proud father. Oh, I am such a proud father, and uh, uh, we are just off campus, uh, but we've been on campus several times. You know, you know, taking a look at their gym and and some of their facilities. So it's so exciting for him. Uh, he stayed on the dorm last year as his first year. He's coming back and. You know, we, we, what we did was moved into a one-bedroom apartment because uh, he's an independent thinker, and you know he's going to do well down there. And I'm very excited. You know, it was about 25, 20, about 24 to 25 hour uh, truck ride from Philadelphia that we split up in two days. So uh, it was a good father-son experience so far, and it hasn't ended yet. And the ROTC experience, I mean, you got to be incredibly proud there. Uh, I mean, that's such a, a, a big deal. It is, uh, you know, he he thought of it on his own. Um, you know, I, I told John, which, you know, my son calls him Uncle John. I say, yo, Matt, man, just uh, joined the National Guard, joined the Army in Louisiana State. And he's uh, just waiting orders. And he, he did very well in his test. Uh, he scored a, a 98 out of 99 for his entrance in, into the Army. He could pick any job, and he picked the job that he felt that he would uh, it would be best for him in, in, in service to the country, and I'm, I'm very proud of him. you got to be a proud uncle, John. Yeah, listen, he has two great kids, Matt and Zach. Matt is a Krause, a St. Joe prep graduate who played soccer. So, I mean, you got two good things going, and I know in the Krause book, by being a St. Joe prep graduate. But he's going to be a lawyer one of these days. There's no doubt in my mind. He wants to be a lawyer. He's always wanted to be a lawyer. I love the fact that Bobby and him got to spend as much time as they did. You know, when he says he's an independent thinker, he's, it's, as long as I've known him, he's always been a, you know, somebody who you know, danced to his own tune. And I, he's going to be good down there. He's going, and I only hope that when he finishes up, he comes back because we can use good lawyers that you know, learned at the kitchen table of a labor leader like Bobby Heenan. But, again, it's, it's a great experience. Think about how proud. I mean, you got a boy that says, hey, listen, I'm going to go here, ROTC. This is what I want to do. He scored really high on the test. He could have been, you know, in the JAG program and all that other stuff. He, he, he chose a hands-on program down there. You know, he's, he's right off campus, and, uh, you know, it's good. I, and uh, I've already asked Bobby, when do they play Alabama, when do they play Georgia? And Bobby already let me know they played him on the road. I was just going to say, <laughs> don't we don't we get tickets here on, on the John? There goes hope. 
There's hope. Let Krause jump into the mix here. I have Coach O on my speed dial. Really? Uh, we'll ring him up. No problems. All good. I, uh, listen, by the way, during, during some of them, them home games there, Bob, uh, we'd be happy to come down there and chaperone if you can't make it. Just, just, just let you know. J-Doc, I, I'm not driving 26 hours uh, in, a, in a vehicle with you. We're flying. Absolutely no We're shot. We're flying, Krause. Uh, that must be an incredible experience. Death, on that, that that valley is worth the trip, uh, and I haven't experienced it yet. But there's supposed to be no other experience right, than an, a good old rivalry uh, Death Valley game uh, right here in uh, in LSU. So I think I think Wall try to pick a, a game that we can that we can get down here because you know the SEC is extremely competitive. That's where all the dogs are. The, you know the big dogs are, and they're going to be competing. Uh, all, all season long. Philly is in and the house. Had, and Go ahead, just, just so you know, we entertain we entertain people all the time. And this most recent preseason game where New England was, uh, uh, you know, beat the crap out of the Eagles on, on Thursday night, oh. we actually had Matt Jones's parents up with the 98 crew. And what a nice person. And all, most of the people down in that SEC that I've come across have been really good people. But, hey, can I just jump in there real quick? Got 90 seconds, Doc, 90 seconds. Real quick. During the pandemic, no city council person's office did more to feed people, educate them on the, on the pandemic, push them in the right direction, or has promoted vaccination more than Councilman Heenan's office has done. And it's funny, you know, sometimes Bobby gets, you know, doesn't get as much ink as he should because he's in some of the situations with me. But he has done a fabulous job, you know, when half a city council, you know, was thinking about running for mayor. It's good to know that you're going to have a seasoned vet like Bobby in council for years to come who absolutely every time the chips are down, steps his game up. And then he can still take the time, okay, to take his son in a, in a, in a daddy-son, you know, uh, type of way take two days, drive down to college, make sure he's all right. I think they were going out tonight to get a burger, maybe hit a golf ball at that top golf or something he said earlier. But that's the Bobby Heenan that I know. That's the Bobby Heenan that most people in this district know. And, you know, in the next couple of years, you'll really start to see what the real Bobby Heenan is because as this city develops, he's going to stay a leader. Thank you for what you do, Bobby. Well, thank you. And thanks. Uh, thank you for that, John. And, and, and Krause and Joe Doc, you know, this is, I always love coming on this platform because it's our talk, right? I mean, this is, if you can't have, you know, a good conversation on this show, then you don't have the experience and it's not, you know, uh, it's not for you. The, the folks that come on here, all right, understand who we are in the labor movement, who our networks are, and how it all ties together. All right, for the for the better of uh, the general public and the members that we serve. All right, and nobody does it better than this team here. So I'd like to say thanks for for the invite as you had before, and I you, will continue Bobby, you, to be always available. You were one of our first guests ever on the broadcast, my friend. Great stuff from yeah. Councilman hey, Bob Krause, Heenan. Did you like Krause, Did you like that label? Our talk. Man, I know you'll have some fun with that one of these days. <laughs> no, no doubt about that. That's going to do it for the special edition of the John Doherty Hour live here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT on behalf of 
uh, Councilman Bobby Heenan and his son, a proud member of the ROTC. Uh, also, Mike Barnes kicking us off, Omar Sabir, and Dr. Cheryl Bedigo joining us, uh, and our gracious host, John Doherty. I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management.